I'm Erica. And I'm Steve. So friends, we started last week a brand new series um, where we were talking about Christianity 101. What are the very, very basic things that one needs to do, believe, think, say, whatever it is to claim themselves to be a Christian. And we spent the last episode talking about who is God, how do we describe God, um, we, we scratched the surface barely because it's a half an hour episode <laughs> and you really can't do much more than that with God in a half an hour. Um, but where are we headed for, for this time in our next episode? Well, um, like last time where we sort of started with, well, this should be obvious. And then we realized, oh, this is a more complicated question than it might <laughs> seem at first. We're going to be asking the, what is faith mean because like again like pretty broadly if you ask somebody you know what what's what's any religion about well you know it's about your relationship with god or faith in god or something well okay we we already unpacked a little bit about oh even defining who or what do we think god is is a pretty messy you know uh arrangement and then it's worth asking what do we think faith means because even if folks are all convinced yes faith is important um what we mean by that can be pretty different as well um so just like we noticed last time where our starting points are for what we think the word god means can send us in lots of different directions and lots of different rabbit holes um even what we think faith means uh needs to be sketched out a little bit so uh, how do we even start so I think I'm going to start with the disclaimer of okay. we are definitely coming at this from our own traditions of Lutherans and Methodists, mm-hmm. um, because I I know from my own experience, the way that I view faith as a Lutheran has been radically different from how my Southern Baptist grandparents viewed faith. Because for my Southern Baptist grandparents, it was very much that faith is the opposite of doubt, mm. that mm-hmm. if you believe in God, you believe with your whole heart and therefore God has saved you. But if you have even an inkling of doubt, if you start to question whether or not God has saved you, then you are no longer saved. Um, And like, that was a very hard line for them of faith and doubt are opposites Mm -hmm. and you can't have both. You can only have one. Mm -hmm. And whereas I've always kind of, understood the more to be two faces of the same coin that you need to have doubts you need to have questions because that is what is going to strengthen your faith and going to strengthen your and deepen your understanding of who you are and who God is and what you believe um so like I think that for this one, we can't necessarily speak for all Christianity. I'm not sure we can ever really speak for all Christianity. There's too many branches of our family tree. Um, But in particular, I know I'm going to be coming at this from a Lutheran. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe it's worth adding as well. I am aware, especially in, say, I don't know, the last 18 months of another polarity that is popular, but I think is also oversimplifying and that's when I hear people say I have faith not fear as though like and they use that to mean because I'm not pro fear but I I hear that used to mean uh like when it comes to say a worldwide pandemic um if I show any signs of doing something that 
uh, is protective against risk for myself or others. It, it's a sign I don't have faith in God and that therefore faith is I believe in God and therefore nothing bad will happen to me because I'm not going to be afraid of, you know, whether it's a pandemic or a school shooting or, uh, you know, whatever. Like if I have faith, the bad things won't happen. And to me, that ends up sounding like faith is confidence in your own ability to believe things as opposed to faith being rooted in someone else. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in the back of my mind, I, I hear that song from Sound of Music when um, uh, Fräulein Marie in the beginning is singing about I have confidence and she sings, I have confidence in confidence alone. I have confidence in me. Um, and I think like that makes for a fine Roger and Hammerstein song. But I think honestly, sometimes our, our sloppy pop culture way of talking about faith is belief in the power of believing rather than belief in someone or something that is worthy of our trust. And sometimes we end up using the word faith as just, I believe certain things very hard. And that ends up also being how we use the word faith in our public discourse. Like, well, if you believe something very strongly, you should be allowed to do that thing because you believe very hard, regardless of, again, whether that's dangerous to other people or there's any solid reason to believe that, that kind of thing. And similarly, sometimes people pit faith against reason or rationality. Again, as those, as though those are opposites. And to own something from the Lutheran tradition, sometimes Luther could sound like that. He's, he's the one who is infamous maybe for saying reason is a devil's whore, which is an impolite way of saying reason and faith are opposites. Um, and again, I think we maybe should start with that seems kind of reductionistic that either faith or doubt or faith or fear or faith or reason that kind of makes it seem too black and white. And I'm not really sure that the stories we get in the scriptures suggest an either or polarity, but sometimes it's, it's both. And with all those. I, I think similar to what you were saying about pitting faith against reason and logic, people have also done that with science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, as if you can only believe in either evolution or the creation story um, that, you know, and then that's stemmed even further, I think now with like the science of vaccines and science of whatever, um, but that there seems to be this discourse in America in particular right now of you know, you can only have one or the other. And, and I think that that's so hard to think that there is this thing that is crucial to Christianity, to religion in general, of faith. And yet people think that if you have faith, you can't have all of these other good things in life, like doubt and questions or fear. I don't, I don't necessarily think that fear is good, but healthy, maybe, Mm -hmm. uh, or reason or logic or science, like, I don't know. I, I think that you can have faith and also have all of these other things yeah. in life. Yeah. So as we're, as we're sort of sketching out some groundwork here, maybe some guardrails, whatever faith is, it sounds like we're, we're in a place of saying faith isn't exclusive to also doubting things or also considering uh, other modes of knowing like science or philosophy or, or uh, reason or things like that. And at the same time, maybe we would say that faith isn't uh, held in check by those. At least I, I'm convinced, at least for my own part, that um, there are things that I believe about God or about Jesus that aren't provable by science. Um, 
and yet I'm able to hold them together. So science can't tell me that there is a God. I'm convinced that God is, is real and that Jesus is risen from the dead, even though I don't have a scientific explanation for that. And yet that doesn't force me to go off the deep end and say, and also the earth is flat and there are no such things. I mean, like the, no, that, that I can appreciate science, but also know science doesn't claim to have all the answers. Science is basically a method of trying to learn things that is constantly open to correction and new data. That seems to me that science always, always is going to have a certain amount of humility about it if it's done well of, here's what we've gathered so far as proof, but we don't have all the answers because we're not done scouring the universe yet. Um, and that, that kind of approach to science and faith seems uh, to allow both to be there, not that I have to pick one or the other. So, okay, now that we have those guardrails, yep. I, I think we've kind of stepped a, around the question of what is faith? What is it? Okay. <laughs> I don't know why do we have faith and like, how is it critical for Christianity? Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's worth noting that in, in even in the scriptures themselves, there's ways that faith gets used kind of differently. There are places where faith is simply a matter of trust, whether trust in God or trust in Jesus, right? So, um, you know, the disciples are scared when the storm comes up on the boat and um, uh, Jesus calms the storm and says, you of little faith, why didn't you tr trust? And basically trust that I'd take care of you, right? It's not, why didn't you recite the creed at this moment? But why didn't you, why don't you trust me? So it could be trust in a particular person. Um, and then at some points you get faith almost turning into a noun, like in the late epistles, you'll get the idea of guarding the faith, defending the faith. And it, then at some point it becomes, um, there's a certain body of knowledge that is handed down uh, as this is part of the faith that we hold. Um, and like it or not, that's a part of uh, the, the, the Christian canon and certainly later Christianity sort of has that idea of the faith is a set of things we believe about God. Um, and then we start fighting over what things go in that category of things you have to believe about God. Um, and I guess it seems at least those two are different ways that Christians have answered the what is faith. Trust in a relationship, uh, knowledge that you have with your brain, and maybe some of both. Are there other elements or ingredients we might add? I think whose faith? Ah, okay. Is this our faith? Is this something that we do or believe? Or is this the faith of, um, of Jesus? Yeah. And or that's... God. It, that's know, going a, back to our last week's conversation about Trinitarianism. But, um, but whose faith is it? Yeah. And that's important, especially in the New Testament, where you get repeated talk about the importance of the faith of Christ. And what's unclear is, is it our believing in Jesus that does all these things? Or is it Jesus' trustworthiness and faithfulness to us? Sometimes we lose that connection in English that uh, trust and trustworthiness, faith and being faithful, these are all related ideas. And that in the end, it's not about does Jesus believe that we exist, but more is Jesus faithful and, you know, in other words, trustworthy. And is, is that where my hope is? Or in the end, is my hope that I'm really good at believing stuff? It, it's also that the he, the, the Greek word um, of of or in is yeah. the same word. Right. Right. So it's right. the same word that's saying faith of Christ or faith in Christ. Right, right. So like that blurs, I think that, that blurs the line a lot because they use the same word and yeah. all the editors of the New Testament has to make a choice of like, oh, which way are we going to translate this one? 
And if we grow up only ever reading, say, one translation of the Bible, we're going to assume, well, this is obviously what it means, because this is what my Bible says, and constructing whole theologies based on what a translation says, when it's possible that the, the original Greek of a passage meant something different or wider. Um, we, we might even get into, uh, and th- this is, again, sort of a, a, a Lutheran uh, kind of a question about even whatever my ability to trust God is, is that something I invented that resides in me, or is even that itself a gift? Um, and I come from a tradition where Luther's willing to say, even my ability to believe in Jesus isn't something I mustered on my own, but even my ability to trust Jesus is something I need to be thankful to Jesus for, that, that grace is already already working in me, enabling me to believe. Um, and I, I think we've even had conversations, Erica, where you mentioned in the Methodist tradition, there's that talk of prevenient grace, a sort of grace yep. that sort of begins that, that relationship as well. So that there's no point at which I can go, God, I earn my way in because I believe so hard, but it's always, even, even when I say, look, God, I trust in you, that's not me saying, look, you need to give me credit for believing, but you've enabled me to trust you. And if, that, if that's the case, then whatever faith is both that relational side and our capacity to believe certain facts about God, none of those are, are, should be framed as my accomplishment, I guess. But I think we have to, and see, I struggle with this, this idea, because um, I get where Luther's coming from, and I, I get where Wesley's coming from. You know, yes, God enables us to have that faith. Like you said, Steve, for us, it's preven- what we call prevenient grace. But yet we have to claim that faith as our own. And so, and, and I struggle with what exactly that means. Mm-hmm. And I've been a Methodist for, you know, mm-hmm. basically 38 years now. Yeah. <laughs> I still struggle with what that means because yes, God has given me, you know, at my baptism, you know, I was brought into the church, not the Methodist church, but the church as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and God was working in my life from, you know, well, from my birth forward and you mm-hmm. know but then what does it mean for me to then claim that for my own right you know yes i see that as being a gift of god but then that's also something that i have to do i mean it, and i don't know how to i don't know how to make those two yeah work together there there's a there's a a, a working picture in my mind uh that helps me in my navigating of of that tension and maybe maybe this is heading further into christianity 201 or 301 or graduate work rather than uh, uh, christian basics but um when um when we adopted my son he was a toddler when he was adopted and uh knew us i mean like knew us as his parents because he'd been living with us for for a half a year at that point um but at the point at which he was the adoption was finalized he didn't say anything at all because he's a baby basically. And he was doing snow angels on the carpet of the courtroom in his suit and tie (laughs) while my wife and I went up and made promises saying, we claim this child, this child will be ours. And, you know, all the way down to, we take responsibility for his life and well being, And if we die, he gets our, the inheritance, like all that kind of stuff. And at the same, so in, in, from one standpoint, it was entirely our claiming of him and that by us making that promise that also brings him to live in our house so that he could grow in trusting us. And yet at the same time, my hope is that as he continues to grow at some point, he claims that and says, yes, this is who I want to continue to be. Other people made promises 
for me claiming me that that starts this um but every time he throws a temper tantrum uh even at 10 years old now if he says i don't want to be in the family or if i'm stomping you know if he does that sort of uh, uh you know um bluffing i'm gonna i'm gonna run away and i'll you know he ends up you know sitting in the front yard you know shooting basketball because he's angry but like at some point he has to make that choice or continue to live into the relationship he's been given to say Yes, I continue in this family. Yes, I am a part of this. And yes, I, I continue to say yes to that love. Now, in the back of my mind is also the awareness that even if he keeps, even if at some point he says no and, you know, crosses his arms and stomps out the front door because he's angry for a while, that doesn't break relationship just because he wants it to be broken in that moment. Mm-hmm. My love won't let go of him, even if he is, you know, persistent and I don't want to be a part of this right now. Um and it, it seems to me that is an important theological piece for me too, that God starts a relationship. The intention is that that kindles relationship in us, that we are able to echo that yes back to God. Yes, I want to continue in this relationship. And yet I want to say God always has an ace up in the sleeve that God reserves the right not to take our poutiness as the last word. I like that illustration a lot, especially as an adoptee myself. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. You know, um, my parents said yes to me mm-hmm. and then I have said, you know, consequently I've said yes back, mm-hmm. you know, as I've grown up and I've claimed their name and their family, like they are my family. Yeah. yeah. I know no other. Right. So, so the, the way that I've sort of embraced, um, faith, the, the question of faith and like the fact that salvation has been a gift to me that I have not earned it, but that I have to respond to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Um, In some way I have to respond. Like, it's not like it's just going to just sit there in my life, but that I have to do something with it. Um, And not doing anything with it is also a response, right? It's like, um, I have a backyard. Uh, I have not, well, I mean, in theory, I am paying for this backyard, but like I have a backyard and stuff is growing in it. I didn't choose any of this stuff that's growing in it. It's just growing. Um, but I get to just dis- like, I get to decide what I'm going to cultivate. And in some mm-hmm. way, even if I decide to not cultivate some things, stuff is, but might still pop up anyway. And like some same way. God might continue to throw things in my life that is good for me, but I have nothing. I haven't done anything, but it just appeared, you know, same way. All of a sudden it's like Iris popped up out of my ground and started (laughs) growing. I didn't plant it, but it still grew. Um, but I still get to like nurture and cultivate some of the things that have decided to grow in my life that God Mm -hmm. has put there. Mm-hmm. Uh, by you know watering things and weeding the things away from the iris or what have you but like that's my response now as a fully grown adult is deciding what is what I'm going to cultivate in my life yeah. what I'm going to tend to and care to and respond to yeah yeah it reminds me of an illustration that Dina Chapel used when I was in seminary of you know salvation being a, a check that's written to you now some of our audience might not know checks well but you know <laughs> these magical pieces of paper. paper that say you have money which are great and wonderful but mean nothing until you deposit it 
you know, and until you actually do something with it. And I think that's, you know, I'm hearing that's what you're getting at, Sarah. Like, you know, the grass is growing in your backyard. These flowers and plants are growing in your yard. You have to do something with them. Um, yeah, but <laughs> in, in the way that my yard differs from the check metaphor and that I think I like better is that even if I don't do anything with it, it's still going to grow. And I, I, I'm yeah. not in control. I, I think I think the question becomes when, when we pick any of those metaphors is at some point is does the offer or the gift expire if we persistently refuse or something like that? Or is is um, God's willingness to give uh, determined to get the last word on things? And there I, I kind of do think mm-hmm. we are headed out of Christianity 101 into, well, in graduate studies, you're going to find different people who take that in different directions, because in some ways that that opens questions like, is everybody saved in the end? Uh, you know, the question of universalism. Um, and if not, um, is the criterion uh, along a Calvinist line, God picks who gets saved and who isn't? Or is it along a more Arminian line of no, it's whoever responds to God's grace uh, well enough that then those are the people who are saved. And I think it's fair to say in 2000 years of Christian history, we've got different ways of answering that, all of whom are in the broad umbrella of Christianity. Um, yeah. And while each of us is probably going to have our own personal ways of landing that shapes the way we read all the rest of scripture and the particular places we're comfortable with living in wrinkles with our theology, um, the, 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 maybe the, the 101 level uh, talk about faith is faith is somehow gift. It calls forth response from us. And then the, in the end, what happens if I refuse to respond? That, that may be heading into more speculative, good question. In the end, it's sort of a, is, it, it, do, we, do we imagine that God really does will for everybody to be saved? And if so, does, is God willing to not get what God wants and settle for some people refuse it? Is God going to insist that at some point love finds you in the end, regardless of whether you knew you wanted it or not? Or is it that God doesn't really want everybody to be saved? And that answers that question a whole different way. But it seems at some point we're going to have to wrestle with those things, but that may be beyond the scope of a Christianity 101. And maybe we'll have to have that as another series about how do we talk about who gets saved and what does saved even mean and who does it, that kind of thing. But it, it feels to me fair to say different Christian voices have landed at different points, but who are all broadly with the umbrella of Christianity. How's that sound? Yeah. Okay. So we're, 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 we've ruled out. It's not a binary, either faith or doubt, either faith or fear, either faith or science or thinking or reason or things like that. Faith, we talk about as a gift itself, or faith is something that God's already initiated, we could say. Faith also calls forth the response. Um, How do we want to talk about this idea of trust in relationship versus facts or things that propositions that you affirm? And is it one or the other or both? I think it's both. Okay. I mean, I think, and I'm going to have to process this out loud because I'm not exactly sure. Like I I say it's both, but in some ways I want to say one is more important than the other. (laughs) And in other ways I'm like, but no, it's not like they're both. Um, I think the relationship in some ways, um, in some ways, I think it's more important. I'll just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Disagree uh-huh. with me, whatever. I don't care. Um, but 
I think the facts help us to build that relationship and understand what that relationship sure. means. In a, in a way, it almost seems to me like if I, if I ask you about somebody you have a personal relationship with, tell me about your best friend, you will start describing who that best friend is and what makes that person different from a random stranger on the street. The mm-hmm. moment you started to tell me about your best friend, um, you basically made a creed about your friend. Um, that yeah. like, in a sense, the things that we believe about God help us to identify, this is who we're talking about, not Ra, the Egyptian sun god, or Thor, the Norse god of thunder. Um, and if we're clear on that, then the 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 idea that there are facts or, or propositions we believe about God doesn't have to be seen as something starchy and stodgy, but it helps us define who we are in relationship with. Yeah. And I also think that those two things are so intertwined in our lives that they help inform each other continually, right? Like Mm -hmm. this is what I believe about God. This is my life. This is how I see God interacting in my life. And then those kind of help inform what I believe about God, right? Like in, in some ways, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, but without like, I don't want to like, I don't know, that sounds so bad, but in, in the sense that if I believe that God is love and then that's what I'm paying attention to and I'm noticing all of the ways that God is active in my life and all of the ways that those are loving actions, then that's going to just kind of help reinforce my belief in faith about God. And I think that's what I was trying to like, you know, they feed into one another mm-hmm. here. And that's why I think there are two sides of the same coin. Um, you, you can't have, because you can think all the right things about God, but not actually have faith in God. Sure. sure. You can know all the right things. Maybe I should say it that way. You can know all the right things about God and not have faith in God. Um, but when you have faith in God, then I think that also means that you, know and believe and think these things about god sure in a way that like i can believe that uh richard nixon existed but i do not know that i would have trusted him and like it's possible to believe in the existence of something and yet not have a relationship with that person Mm -hmm. um and and at the same time sometimes our talk about personal relationship with jesus can be so like emotional mushy gushy that like there's no sense of like because of the particularity of who jesus is that leads me to live in a certain way and once we get to talking about that leads me to live in a certain way that's that's the the sort of propositional piece of what faith is right so to say i believe in jesus and now i'm gonna go um steal from my neighbor and kill people randomly because i have a personal relationship with jesus and it doesn't matter like no that you violated something important because Mm -hmm. the the jesus you're in relationship with has opinions about whether you murder people or steal their stuff um and i think maybe in a similar way that once we start talking about having that kind of personal relationship that we 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 have to start answering the with whom are you in relationship and the moment you start answering that in whatever way whether you codify in a creed or just say well this is what jesus is like we're we're at the 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 description part of what faith is there is a someone with whom i'm in relationship and that the constancy of that person doesn't change day by day that today jesus is compassionate tomorrow he's a real jerk there's a consistency mm-hmm. to who jesus is Maybe we could also spend a minute at least asking about when we talk about personal relationship, 
um, which is, and again, an admittedly a kind of modern way of talking about the Christian faith. That's not, that's not the language you find in the, the book of Acts, for example, or the New Testament, even if we could say the idea is there maybe. Um, but even if, even if we're comfortable talking about personal relationship with Jesus or with God, it's different than other kinds of relationships. Because when I talk with another person, I get an immediate voice back mm-hmm. pretty much all the time. Um, and they, uh, they have likes and dislikes and they will have opinions about what we should order on pizza and what movie we want to watch or what books they like in a way that I don't know that God has a favorite pizza topping. Um, and I'm not sure that it's fair to say that God is going to weigh in on what movie I should watch, or at least not in the same way uh, that a, a, someone who's going to sit next to me and watch it with me will. So even, even talking about personal relationship is a little bit different too, right? Yes, but I believe God will say pineapple belongs on pizza. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, like when we talk about this personal relationship with Jesus and we talk about, you know, things like prayer and how we converse with God and with Jesus, like you said, see, we don't get that, at least that audible typically voice back. Mm-hmm. Um, we might get that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling in our heart saying, okay, well, yes, this is, you know, or or some sort of sense of direction that's not an outside audible voice speaking to us um but it's very different about how we discern the direction that god's leading us into what god wants us to be doing Mm -hmm. um because it's not that face-to-face conversation like what we're having now yeah yeah Maybe it's worth saying, too, that however we think of personal relationship with God, that can sometimes sound awfully exclusive in the sense of that there's something private about it. And and, and I guess I want to say, mm-hmm. like, when I think about, say, the, the close relationships in my life, like to my children, um, sometimes there will be this sort of fussiness of, like, you did this with my brother. How come you're not doing it with me? Well, we have different activities with you together, that kind of thing. But there is an exclusivity in that I'm responsible for the lives and well-being particularly of my two children, and I make sure they get clothes and pajamas and a house and shelter in a way that I'm not responsible for the neighbor kids down the street in the same, with the same level of care. But with God, things are different. If, if we actually believe that God is the God of the universe, um, and I think Christianity has a stake in saying God isn't just a particular you know, national God or something like that, then as much as God cares about me, God also simultaneously cares with the same fierceness and depth uh, with everybody else. And so um, I might say, you know, well, God, I'm in personal relationship with you. I want you to get me a pony. And you're like, I'm sorry, I'm, I, I, that's not how God works. God is not in the pony delivery business. God also has seven, other, seven billion other people that God is also intimately and deeply concerned with and that God is madly in love with. Um, and if that's true, that changes the, the dynamic in a way that's different from just about every other relationship in our lives. Most of our other personal relationships have a sense of particularity that, they aren't also obligated to show the same level of care to everybody else on earth in a way that Christianity seems to say God is the God of all people. And regardless of what their relationship status is back with God, God loves them. Um, That makes it different, I guess, to have a personal relationship who is also in a relationship with 7 billion other people. And I think we'd have a tendency, um, especially in the more modern Western church, to take that very personal relationship with Jesus and with God and to say, you know, well, God is telling me to do this, but if he tells you to do that, you know, like, 
there's this lack of community within the yeah. church and this understanding because like you said god loves seven billion people that are on the earth um god's not necessarily going to tell steve you to do something and sarah to do something and me to do something completely different especially if they contradict one another mm-hmm. you know he might have different callings on our lives and places in different places but he's not going to tell you two to do something that's going to be contradictive to what he's telling me necessarily to do um you know he's not going to tell you it's okay well it's okay to go kill your neighbor right um, right right but you know and that, i mean that's a really harsh you know right it's okay to take sample, broad but, strokes here yeah but yeah, that, that, I think that's, that's a good point. That again, like in our relationships with other people, we tend not to run into that, well, what about the 7 billion other people kind of factor? Mm-hmm. And the entities that we do have relationships with that are that expansive, like my relationship with, say, the federal government, I, I assume because it is attentive to millions and millions of people, I don't attend it to really care much about my actual life. They just care that I pay my taxes on time. And, you know, but like it's, it's easy to import that then into our thinking about God. Oh, well, because God cares about everybody. I guess God can't care very much about any one of us because God's concerned about, mm-hmm. you know, all the billions of people and all the galaxies across the universe. And it seems like somehow we're forced to say, our relationship with God is such that God cares deeply about each of us and meaningfully, and not just that we pay our taxes or give our offerings, but also that God is simultaneously deeply invested with a world full of us in not just the present, but also into the future as well. Um, and that, again, makes the, the, the conversation about what it means to relate to this God different than me talking to a friend or a spouse or a kid or a parent. All right. It seems like we've definitely done some sketching out of boundaries, at least, and that uh, as we proceed forward in this Christianity 101 series, we've said God is a particular person in a sense. It's a God, God is a who rather than what, a, a relationship uh, of, of the persons of the Trinity. And we are invited into relationship with that God. And that relationship of trust is what we call faith. It involves believing certain things about God, just like believing and relating to anybody really involves knowing who they are. Um, and that it can be inclusive of things like doubt as well and fear as well and struggle as well and science and other kinds of critical thinking as well those are not opposites of faith fair enough fair yep. enough. that may be as far as we can stake our our ground for today but uh join us for more conversation next time as we take a look here at christianity 101 here on crazy faith talk Bye. Bye.